let's get right to the word. Right to the word. We will be coming from Ezekiel this morning. Ezekiel chapter 33. Ezekiel chapter 33. Chapter 33. So as you turn there, that Old Testament prophet, um, just want to remind everyone that for 2021, our church theme is growing people to reach the lost. Growing people to reach the lost. We are committed to helping you grow so that you can go out and share a life-altering message to reach people who are lost, who are in danger, who don't even know it yet. So, Ezekiel chapter 33, I'll be picking up in verse number one. Again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, speak to the children of your people and say to them, when I bring the sword upon the land and the people of the land take a man from their territory and make him their watchman. When he sees the sword coming upon the land, if he blows the trumpet and warns the people, then whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take the warning, if the sword comes upon him, upon him and takes him away, his blood shall be on his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet, but did not take warning. His blood shall be upon himself, but he who takes the warning will save his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet and the people are not warned and the sword comes and takes any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity. But his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. So you, son of man, I have made your watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, you shall hear a word from my mouth and warn them for me. When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die. And you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way. That wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood I require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn away from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have, you have delivered your soul. Therefore, son of man, say to the house of Israel, thus you shall say, if your transgressions and your sins lie upon us and we pine away in them, how can we live? How can we then live? Say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. For why should you die, O house of Israel? Why should you die, O house of Israel? Father God, we thank you for this day, and I surrender myself in this time to your voice. Let the preacher get out of the way so the true preacher can, get, can show up. Holy Spirit, edit in and edit out the things that you want to say today. We praise you and bless you for giving us this opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. January 13th, 2012, the Costa Cornina, the Ferrari of cruise liners, set sail on the Mediterranean Sea with Captain Francisco Francisco Scatanino at the helm 
and 4,200 people on board. Scott Tonino had dinner that night upon departure, and he had a dinner with a, lo a lovely young woman. The wine was flowing. After dinner, along, he, along with his companion, went up to the bridge, and Scantino directed the first mate to take the ship close to land so he could salute the small island. There, things went wrong. The first mate had the ship going at full speed. And by the time they realized that they were going to um, hit island, it was too late for them to turn. Scantino tried to move the ship, but it ran up on barrier rocks and started to sink. Immediately, the ship lost power, and water started filling in the ship. The major issue wasn't actually that the ship started sinking. It was that the captain told the passengers that it was just an electrical outage and remained in their cabins. For over an hour, the captain said nothing. He just said it was an electrical issue. An hour and 45 minutes later, he sounded the alarm. The ship was filling up with water. The passengers were trapped. Scantino abandoned the ship, and 32 people lost their lives. He did not sound the alarm in time. For our time together, I just want to ask you, Christian, are you on watch? Christian, yes, you. Are you on watch? This book is Ezekiel is a unique book in the character of Ezekiel. He's the only prophet in the Old Testament who did all his prophecy outside of Jerusalem. He was in exile with a remnant there prophesying. He was not even taken seriously for most of the book. He would prophesy what God was saying to him, but the people there didn't take him seriously because they couldn't see what was going on. Ezekiel was trying to warn the people, but they wouldn't listen. Here in this book is the book has four major visions in it. The first one is Ezekiel's vision of him being called into ministry. The second vision is the abominations of the temple. See, the one thing about the prophet, he is supposed to see over the hill and around the corner. Ezekiel, a hundred mi hundreds of miles away from Jerusalem, saw abominations taking place in the temple. Not only abominations were taking place in the temple, he saw God get on his chariot and leave the temple. God left his place where he was resting when re residing with his people, he got on his chariot and left his people. Ezekiel saw that while in exile. <sighs> so he sees a vision of him being called. He sees a vision of abominations taking place in the temple. He sees a vision of restoration later on or that dry bones passage in chapter 37, and then he sees visions of a glorious return of a holy city. 
But here in chapter 33, we are at the, 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 the hinge point in the book where Ezekiel called to be a watchman because of the abominations taking place hundreds of miles away and him trying to warn the remnant that was saved in Babylon. One of the themes of the book of Ezekiel is then you will know that I am Yahweh. Who is Yahweh? Who is God? In this case, we will be we will discover that Yahweh is the one who holds man accountable for his sin. Yahweh is the one standing at the door with the sword in his hand. Oh, Jerusalem thought that Nebuchadnezzar was the one who was bringing wrath on him. But Yahweh, God, handed his sword over to Nebuchadnezzar and he ransacked the temple which God had left. Christian, are you on watch? Are you on watch? If we are not careful, if we're not careful, we as Christians can receive a life-altering message that changes our eternal destination. But after receiving that message, after coming into a relationship with Christ, we can hold it to ourselves and never share that message with somebody else. See, we are growing people to reach the lost. Not, we're not growing people just to grow people and just hold that message to themselves. We are growing people to reach the lost. Not sounding the alarm for those who have surrendered their life to Christ. It's a dangerous game that sometimes we Christians play. Christian, are you on watch? Are you on watch? You have a life-changing message. It changed your eternal destination. But are you keeping it to yourself? Or are you sharing that message with someone else? Here's my sermon in a sentence. So if you don't, forget, if you don't remember anything else, just remember this. Every Christian, every Christian has been commissioned by God to share this life-altering message to those who are in danger. Every Christian has been commissioned by God to share the life-altering message to those who are in danger. Picking up here, we, we're going to look at our, our, a couple of things that I saw in the text, for Christians, are you on watch? The first actually takes place in chapter 1, where the watchman's ordination, the watchman's ordination. Chapter 1, um, beginning in, yeah, let's just look at um, verse number 3. The word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of, Cal of the Chaldeans, by the river Ch Chebar, and the hand of the Lord was upon him. The hand of the Lord was upon him. Ezekiel is ordained into ministry. But this is a different type of ordination. It, it, it was as a ritual in the law founded in numbers that upon being 30 years old, those who were commissioned to be in the service of God, they would come and the priests would lay their hands on them and they would be ordained. However, 
Ezekiel is in exile in Babylon. There, there, there is no temple. There are no priests except Ezekiel. So who's going to lay hands on him? Who, who is going to ordain him into priestly ministry? Ezekiel is serving Judean, Judean exiles in Babylon, hundreds of miles away from Jerusalem. Hundreds of miles away from Jerusalem. The uniqueness of Ezekiel is the hand of the Lord was upon him. Ezekiel is ordained by God. He, he didn't have a, 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 a gathering of priests and pastors and ministers and deacons to come lay their hands. Ezekiel was ordained by God. There are no priests to, to come lay hands on him. There are no, there are no um, Levites to come sing. Ezekiel's in exile with a remnant of people, and he's in the priestly ministry. Ezekiel is ordained by God. Now, now the scripture says that Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, it, I'm not sure if Ezekiel was the, was the priest or Buzi, his father was the priest at first, but what we know is that Ezekiel was in the priestly line. That's going to be important coming up because what he sees in his visions, only a priest would know of what's going on in the temple. But the hand of God comes upon Ezekiel, and he's ordained by God into priestly ministry. Not only is he ordained, he gets ordained as the priest, prophet, and watchman. He is ordained as priest, prophet, and watchman. The priest, the, the, the priest is the one who stands in between God and man as a mediator. Between God and man and man and God. He, the priest stands in between. Regardless of what's going on, the priest serves God and man and man and God, he stands there as a mediator. But not only is Ezekiel ordained as a priest, he's ordained as a prophet. The prophet looks over the hill, around the corner, to see what's going on. Ezekiel had four visions. Those exiles in Babylon didn't take him seriously until they figured out that the visions were ordained by God. But Ezekiel kept on prophesying, even though he wasn't taken seriously. But not only was he ordained and serving as the priest and the prophet, Ezekiel was ordained to be a watchman. A watchman, that's a military term. A watchman stands up on a wall and looks out. He looks out to see the enemy. If the enemy moves, he starts to blow the horn, sound the alarm for those who are in trouble so that they can get prepared. E Ezekiel says, as the watchman, I, I blow the trumpet so that you can get prepared because I see what's coming. I see the danger ahead. Here, these exiles in Babylon, hundreds of miles away from Jerusalem, 
not knowing what's going on, about the atrocities that's going on, about the spiritual deterioration that's going on with the people and the priests in the temple. They don't even know they're in trouble. But Ezekiel can see it. He's a watchman. The people don't even know that they're in trouble in Babylon because of what's going on in Jerusalem. Here's the thing. The enemy isn't Nebuchadnezzar. The adversary that Ezekiel sees is God himself. Ezekiel sees the adversary as being God himself taking out the sword on his own people. Ezekiel's not called to stand on a literal wall. He's called to build up the people spiritually so that God doesn't pull the sword on them. He's already abandoned Jerusalem. He got on his chariot and left the temple. And God has called Ezekiel as priest, prophet, and watchman to sound the warning for those in exile in Babylon. God is the adversary. God is the one with the sword in his hand. Ezekiel has a unique ordination, the watchman's ordination, while being carried away from Jerusalem in captivity because God lays his hands on him. But not only that, Ezekiel is called to be an agent of God. Ezekiel is called to be an agent of God. We're back in chapter 33, picking up in verses 3 through 9. Let's focus in just on 7. So you, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, you shall hear a word from my mouth. And warn them for me. For me. The watchman is commissioned, ordained to blow the trumpet when trouble is near. When he sees the sword coming in the land, if he blows the trumpet and warns the people, He's called to be a watchman. He's supposed to see the trouble coming. He's supposed to look over the hill, around the corner. He's supposed to see the enemy approaching. This enemy is a spiritual enemy. It's God himself coming with a sword. He is supposed to blow the trumpet so that they don't get consumed in their wickedness. God says when the watchman sees the sword slash adversary coming, he is to warn the people. But here's the thing. The watchman is to blow the trumpet. There are various responses to blowing the trumpet. Verse number four. Then whoever hears the sound of the trumpet, it does not take a warning. If the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be on his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet, but did not take warning. His blood shall be upon himself. But he who takes warning will save his life. The first response is the hearer hears the warning but does nothing and is consumed in his wickedness. He, he heard the warning 
but did nothing to change. The, the, the second response is, is one who hears the warning and acts, and he saves his life. Whether the hearer acts or doesn't act, whether they change or stay in their wickedness, it doesn't really matter to the watchman. His responsibility is to blow the trumpet. He's fulfilled his agency by blowing the horn. The watchman is pleading, warning, warning, warning. There's some that will listen. There's some that won't. Christian, are you on watch? The watchman is to blow the trumpet for those who are in danger. Here's what happens again. Now, now we saw when the watchman blows the horn, there are two different responses, but he's fulfilled his agency. He's fulfilled his commission. He's done what he's supposed to do. But now there's a different set of circumstances, picking up from six to nine, where the watchman doesn't blow the horn. He doesn't sound the alarm to people who are in trouble. But if the watchman sees the sword coming, and does not blow the trumpet, and the people are not warned, and the sword comes upon them and takes any person from among them. He is taken away in his, in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. So you, son of man, I have made your watchman for, those, for the house of Israel. Therefore you shall hear a word from my mouth and warn them for me. When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die. And you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way. That wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the wicked to turn from his way and he does not turn for his, from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. When the watchman neglects his commission, from sounding the alarm, people die. But here's the thing, when he neglects his commission, when they're not made right with God, because God is the adversary here, the watchman gets to participate in their punishment. He, he may be saved, his soul may be saved, but he gets to participate in their punishment. Ezekiel, the watchman of God to the exiles in Babylon, commissioned by God to sound the alarm, must make a choice. Does he warn the people or does he keep silent? Ezekiel wasn't taken seriously as he, as he was prophesying. For 33 and a half chapters, the people in Babylon did not want to hear what Ezekiel was saying. 33 and a half chapters. Ezekiel, the priest, the prophet, the watchman, has been sounding the alarm that God has left his temple. He's drawn the sword. He's abandoned Jerusalem. 
They've been turned over to Nebuchadnezzar, and he could be coming this way. And they don't take him seriously. He has a choice to make. Does he sound the alarm or does he keep silent? Will he participate in their religion, uh, in their rebellion against God? Because the message is hard. The message is hard. So we've seen the ordination of the prophet, priest, and watchman, the supernatural ordination. We have looked at the watchman being an agent for God, one who is supposed to sound the alarm. But what's the watchman's message? Uh, what, 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 what is the watchman's message here? What is he, he's supposed to say? Because it's a hard message to hear. The setting here is that those Judeans who are in exile in Babylon, they have a misplaced sense of security. If you study covenants of the Bible or Near Eastern um, ancient times, you'll see that the covenant is kind of a triangle with God, the people, and the land. God, people, land. God, people, land. That's true. God said, I'll be with Abraham, I'll be with you, and I'll take you to a land that I'll show you. God, people, land. God, people, land. The covenant was always God, people, land. Those people who were exiled in Babylon, they had a misplaced sense of security because they never thought that God would leave his people or abandon his land. Ezekiel had a vision of God getting on his chariot and leaving the temple and rolling over the Mount, Mount Olive. Olivet, sorry about that. Those in exile never thought that God would leave his people or his land. The elders represent people who are already in exile. So when the massacre takes place in Jerusalem, when Nebuchadnezzar comes in and wipes out everything, burns the city, they're initially unaware although Ezekiel had already prophesied what was going on. But to a certain extent, even if they were casually aware of what was going on in Jerusalem, it really didn't bother them because they were safe down there in Babylon. The, the watchman's message is going to be hard. Picking up in verse 10, Therefore, you, O son of man, say to the house of, Hugh, of Israel, Thus you shall say, if our transgressions and our sins lie upon us and we pine away in them, how can we live? Say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways, for why should you die, O house of Israel? O house of Israel. The watchman's message. The Washington's message is actually God's message and not the watchman's. Another unique characteristic of Ezekiel was he never got to interpret or put his spin on what God said to him. He had to say exactly what God said when he said it. 
They, they left no room for him to interpret, put his spin on it. God said this, you say this. The hand of the Lord comes upon you, say this, thus says the Lord, say this, I'm saying this, you say exactly how I said it. It's God's message. Don't soften it. Don't clean it up for me. This is the message that God wants for his people, and it's a hard message. The message is one of eternal consequences. Throughout this whole passage, we've been hearing things about life and death, life and death, life and death. And he says here, thus you should say, if our transgressions and our sins lie upon us and we pine away on them, how can we live? Say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn away and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. This message that God gives Ezekiel, the watchman, is of eternal consequences. This message isn't like the modern-day prophet who's just worried about telling you you're going to have a Bentley and you're going to have a billion-dollar business someday. This message is about life and death. Not only in the here and now, but when we walk through that door to the not yet, this message has eternal consequences. This message is God's plea for us to live and not die. God is standing at the door and says, turn, turn. From your evil ways, for why should you die, O house of Israel, O house of Israel? Ezekiel, ordained by God to be a watchman, commissioned by God to be his agent, equipped by God with a message that's not his own. Christian, are you on watch? I, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Preacher, that's a good character study about Ezekiel. What do I got to do with me? I'm not in captivity in Babylon. I, I don't see any um, thing going wrong in the temple. I haven't even been in the temple for a year. What does that have to do with me in 2021? Let's get back to our captain, Scantino. Our distracted captain. He takes a young lady on, on a maiden voyage out down to dinner. The drinks is flowing, and he gets distracted. He brings her back up there, and he was commissioned as the captain of the ship to sound the alarm when things were going wrong. It, it, it was his responsibility to warn people even when they didn't know they were in danger. But he didn't. 32 people died. Scantino abandoned ship, and when they caught up with him, he was standing on the um, side of the island watching the ship go down and people still trying to get on lifeboats. For his not fulfilling his commission, he was sentenced to 16 years in jail. You and I, Christians, are you on watch?
Every Christian, every Christian has been ordained as an agent of God to deliver a life-altering message to those who are in danger. And they don't even know it. Those who are eternally separated from God. Those who haven't made a life-altering decision of surrendering to Christ. God is standing with sword in his hand as their adversary. You, Christian, deacon, choir member, usher, audio video, you, person who just got saved two days ago, you, Christian, are you on watch? There are distractions in this world, just like Constantino. Scripture says, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, those can be distractions, Christian. We are being called. We've been ordained. We've been commissioned to look over the hill, around the corner, into eternity, and warn those who are in danger that God is standing, sword drawn. We're called to share with people that apart from Jesus Christ, every man was an enemy with God. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, so much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by faith. Paul wrote this in Romans. We were enemies of God. We were active participants in fighting against the advancement of the kingdom. Those people who have not made a decision for Christ yet, they are enemies with God and they are in danger. Christian, are you on watch? Only Jesus can reconcile God and man. This message is hard. It, it, it is. It is. But this is the message. First Timothy 3.16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of, of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. That is our message, that Jesus Christ is God. He came down to pay a debt that we couldn't pay. He was justified in the spirit. The spirit came down on him like a dove. He was preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, because if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, you will be saved and received up in glory. That's our charge, Christian. You've been commissioned as a watchman. Are you on watch? This is the year that we've decided that we are going to 
be deliberate in building people up to reach the loss. We're building you up. But don't be like Scantino and not pull the alarm until it's too late. Sound the alarm. Sound the alarm. God is standing sword drawn. If you're not with Jesus Christ, you are against him. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for all that you've done and how you kept us. And Lord Jesus, you've commissioned us as watchmen. You've made us ambassadors. You told us to go make disciples. That's our charge. That's our ordination. Every Christian has it been ordained. Every Christian is an agent for you. And it's not our message. It's your message. It's a life-saving message. It's an eternal message. It's a life-altering message. That he who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son does not have life. That's your testimony, God. Let us not be capricious in holding that message close to our hearts, because it changed our, our heart. Let us be free with telling that story. I thank you for this day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.